Yeah, I mean, I, I, jazz is a really big thing about what I think about, only because there's so much, uh, you know, uh, improvisation that happens. Yeah. When I was in high when I was in high school, I used to go to jazz clubs. I don't know what you know what motivated me to do that, but when we were when I was growing up in Pittsburgh, there were Pittsburgh at one point was a big jazz center in, in the 40s and 50s. Well, there were like you know half a dozen clubs that still played live jazz live jazz that's the different thing than a recording to see somebody work a a five foot long xylophone you know yeah is an amazing feat and so i you know i always thought that was such an interesting way to spend your time you know four or five people uh not knowing what's going to happen and have it work in the end i thought that was such a great metaphor for you know an artist yeah because you know again they they know all the notes there are only so many notes right and there are only so many ways to play it so it's their job to pick it and to make it work somehow and that's what an artist that's what painters do right they have so many colors they have a surface and everyone has the same colors and the same surface so the only thing left is your sensibilities you know so music is so much like that um and as a really young person jazz was a i didn't even really know it you know i was just so young but looking back on it i could see where that became kind of this subconscious sort of motivation for understanding you know creativity so check check david t miller folks Loading artists, audio inside. Loading artists, audio inside. Oh, it's Artcast, it's Artcast, it's Artcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen by your easel, maybe you can grab a chair. Or even take it with you like you ain't got no care. Loading artists, audio inside. Loading artists, audio inside. So sit back and relax and grab your headphones too. Adjust your volume, it's Artcast. Philip J. Mellon welcomes you. So sit back, oh yeah, it's Artcast. Loading artists, audio inside. Loading artists, audio inside. Hey, and welcome to Otcast. Be sure to check out the artist's websites or otcast.com and check out the work and links. All right, let's get started. This episode's guest is Brunswick, Maine painter Thomas Flanagan. Tom shares the influence Maine has had on his studio life, and we get into music quite a bit, as well as studio issues like clean sides of the canvas and its importance to his work and a bit on tools too and more so thanks for joining us and listen in 
start off by welcoming you to Oddcast, Tom. Thanks for having me. This is great. You're welcome. Cool. So, whereabouts is your studio located? I live in Maine. Specifically, I live in Yarmouth, which is on the coast. It's about 10 miles north of Portland, Maine. And my studio is about 12 minutes, 12 minute drive north of here um, in Brunswick, Maine, where Bowdoin College is, if people know where that is. And it's in a, um, it's in an old manufacturing mill. And um, it has a lot of artists in there, sculptors and painters and different creative people. It's, it's been fantastic because I'm able to, you know, it's, it's nice and big and I'm able to spread out the work yeah. and see it, you know, it's sort of evolving and changing. And, um, so yeah, it's, a, it's, it, it's away from the house. I've had studios in my house. I've built one on my property once, but it's, it's good to sort of get away from it. It's been uh, pretty healthy for me. Oh, cool. I've heard some artists like to if if they have a studio space in their home or uh, you know off the the house there, uh, they they like to go for a walk and then come back and then start working. Let's say after they wake up, you know, kind of treat it that way. Yeah, I, I've done that for years. Yeah. Um, I just um, it's hard to turn it off when you're you know you're eating your breakfast and it, the paintings are five feet away. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's it's good for me to kind of uh, not see the work for a little bit. And come back to in the morning, and and have kind of a normal life, as well. You know, it's it's sort of like writing a short story and putting it in the drawer overnight. You know, you, yeah. you come back to it and it's more a little more fresh. So it's been, it's been nice. I, I really like it. I keep it like a regular schedule if I can. You know, I get there. You know, eight thirty in the morning. I break at noon for lunch, and then I go back to work in the studio until, you know, four or five or something like that. And I don't, I don't wait for inspiration. I just, uh, I just start working. And... So I guess I was curious, like, uh, what were your first, some of your first experiences with making art and when do you feel like you got serious about it? I guess when I was in college, very early on, probably my, you know, freshman year in, in college. I mean, I was, a, I've been an artist. I've considered myself someone that can, um, I was always great at drawing as a kid. I would take it very seriously but I never really thought of it as something that I could do as an adult. It was just something that kind of was this thing that I felt was special. It's something that I could do that other people couldn't. And it was, it was something that I did just to, um, just to do it. And then when I got into college, I, um, you know, you, you start to get around other people, professors and start to learn about other artists and how they did it. And, um, it became more of a real thing to me. And I ended up going to graduate school for painting and, you know, that's a pretty intense experience. So, yeah, I mean, I would say 18, 19 years old, I was, you know, looking to this, had no idea how I would do it, if it was even possible. I didn't, I didn't come from a family of, you know, artists or yeah. uh, people that, you know, went to New York and museums or it just wasn't a real thing to me, but I knew somehow that I, uh, you know, this is something I wanted to do, so. It was, it's always been kind of a, how do you do this thing kind of a life for me. Yeah, yeah. And you just figure it out along the way. Yeah, I mean, I'm still in the middle of that. That never yeah. ends. I don't think it ends for anybody. Next, we jump back to the topic of Maine, and I asked Tom how it may or may not affect his work. And my wife and I met and moved to Maine when we were 27, and... um you know, we've been kind of winging it ever since. 
and uh, Maine's a really, really special place, and it's kind of a it's kind of a, a really serious art community here. Um, it has a, a big history of artists coming here, so it's been it's been interesting. Yeah, I was wondering if well, you say you're on the coast, and how if it does like affect your work? Even though I'm on the coast, and that's the most populated uh, you know area of the state. Um, within a mile, it's just the woods. If you yeah. go in, in inland about a mile, it's just the woods. I mean, there are houses and stuff, but you know, people have 30 acres, 40 acres, six acres. I mean, I, I grew up with a house 10 feet from me front and back across the street. You know, it was just like a, a tight neighborhood. Yeah. Um, here you're surrounded by nature. I mean, I'm, I look at my front door and I can see the Harbor, you know, yeah. um, and there's a huge waterfall next to my house with, a, uh-huh. with this river going through it. And, and it, and it definitely affects, affects me, but I mean, it's not so much in my work visually, but, um, it's a, for, it's a definite vibration force about nature that I don't think anybody who's paying attention can get away from it. Yeah. I feel like your work is like so clean, like color and shape and, you know, line and like the hard mm-hmm. edges and everything. And, and one thing I wondered is if <laughs> I'm running to this problem myself, like with painting the sides, because I don't know if you actually bring your compositions right to the edge of the canvas, but if you ever spill onto the side, like how do you how do you handle that? <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of funny because when I was uh, when I was in college, uh, the Carnegie Museum of Art every four years uh, has what's called the Carnegie International, and here I am, like 19. Yeah years old and it's across the street the museum's across the street from our art building so i go in and i'm from there all the time and and there's an artist painting hanging on the wall there a contemporary artist and his name's peter haley i'm sure you know who he is yeah well, his work was and continues to be very very clean and i look at everything you know everything that's available to me i look at and i try and learn from well the sides of his canvases were completely spotless and clean and it kind of added to the experience of looking at his work because um, it spoke to the, the artist's attention to detail. Right. So ever since then, what I do is I stretch, I stretch canvas and then I tape the edges so that it's raw canvas and it's perfectly clean. Okay. And then I, then I gesso and I leave that tape on there the entire time I'm working on it. I only take it off after it's done. So this is perfectly clean edge. Um, and it, and it works and my, and my compositions currently don't go to the edge. I leave a few inches um, the composition stops a few inches from the uh, edge of the canvas right. because uh, I, I'm really interested in, the, in that sort of tension between the edge and the shape of whatever's happening in the composition instead of it, you know, bleeding into the end and sort of pretending that the composition goes on and on and on and on and on. It, yeah, it stops yeah. somewhere and it kind of um, creates a certain tension. And so, um, what you're seeing around the composition is just basically gesso or titanium white. Cool. It, it all depends on the work, you know. I, yeah. You know, if you're looking at a um, some some artists that they they staple their canvas to the wall and they work on it like that. Yeah. Uh, and then they stretch it on a stretcher, so sometimes it you know goes over the edge a little bit, and it kind of adds to it. It just kind of there's something about that. But for me, and you can only speak to your own. You know what? You, I, I always think about what I want to see in the end. 
Yeah. And then I, then I keep kind of working towards what my expectation is for the end. And I don't really know what that is concretely, but you know, I know that I don't want a bunch of sloppy stuff getting in the way of the composition. Cause I want the viewer to completely be sort of engrossed in the composition, not my laziness. <laughs> mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Not, not <laughs> like, Oh, you know, he, he had big dirty fingers, big thumbprint on the side. I mean, that, that becomes the composition to me. I mean, the whole experience of walking in and seeing something, you have to take it as a whole. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if, if you if you exhibit something on paper and there's a big tear in it, oh. you're going to notice that, you know. Right. So I just kind of, you know, if, if my work is going to be clean, then I want the whole thing to be that so that it's a whole experience. Cool. Like more about the process, like I was wondering if you worked on ever worked on any small formats or works on paper. I do. I work on, um, I work on paper. I do, I consider them drawings, but I don't really, th when I'm doing them, I don't really think of them as drawings. They're just another tool to use. And, um, the drawings kind of, uh, feed the paintings in that I give myself, I don't know, half an hour to do the drawing so yeah. that you're able to be a little more free with the drawing because there's less involved. It's smaller. It's less, you know, wasting, you know, a hundred dollars worth of, you know, paint. And, um, and if it doesn't work, just tear it up. Who cares? I mean, yeah. it's just a great way. I used to teach and tell my students get, get, you know, reams and reams of newsprint and throw 99% of it away after you're done. Um, it's just a, it's really a way of sort of training your brain and your hand and doing things. And, you know, those are smaller format things that, you know, you can do different things with drawing than you can with paint. It's a different medium. So, um, yeah, I do, I do drawings. My website has drawings on them. Um, and they, parts of those bleed into the, into the paintings. And sometimes I'll draw for just a month. I won't do any paintings. I'll just draw, 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 and just do one after the other. And, uh, and then I'll stop for a while. So. Next Tom talks about the tools that he uses while he paints. You do whatever you have to to get out to get to get it finished. It doesn't really matter um, yeah. how you put it on. In fact, I, I never even use brushes. I mean, I'm a painter, but I never use brushes. Okay. I use these. Um, I spent and still do. I I, I do um, contracting sometimes, and I'll do a lot of mudding and and uh, plaster restoration. And I I noticed, you know, ten years ago how beautiful it was yeah. <laughs> the plaster, you know, with these great big sharp knives. And I started to put the paint on with these big knives and I have, you know, a bunch of them and it's, it gives, it gives me this really clean surface yeah. of like pure color. Um, and you don't get caught up in the, the direction of a brush stroke. So nice. it's a little bit like a screen print. It looks like it was maybe screen printed. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's put on and I, and I use this really big, uh, not really big, but I use this powerful metal fan ever since grad school. Uh, it's, you know, two feet from the work and it's constantly drawing the work as I'm working. It's all yeah. acrylic. So it dries 10 sec in 10 seconds. Yeah, so yeah. the process of painting for me is closer to the process of drawing in that I don't have to stop and wait for something to, you know, 
especially with people using oil, I used to use oil paint, you know, you do a set, do something and then you got to wait three days before you come back and, and put something next to it. I mean, I like the process of drawing so much that I, I figured out this little system where the paint dries instantly and I can keep on going. I don't have to pause really. And, um, uh, you know, it's just something that I've always done. Um, and when you're, when you're kind of squeegeeing the, the paint on, you're able to put it on super thin or fat, whatever you want, but it, you know, you can make it, you can make it thin or thick. It doesn't really, it all depends on how hard you're pushing. And so it's, it's, it's my own little recipe, I guess, for yeah. work, working process, you know, I guess like a little bit of a relationship to your studio day is I was wondering if what you spend the most time doing, say looking, making, or thinking, say almost like in front of your paintings, like if you're sitting there with them. It never stops. I mean, even if you're not in the studio, uh, you know, uh, it's the thinking part. You can't really turn off if you're really into this, if you're really doing it. Um, and I've found that over the last probably 10 years that my goal is to think less and to feel more when I'm working it yeah. and to let myself um, follow the painting and get out of the way of the painting. As a younger man, I was a lot more interested in conceptual work and it was really all about the theory and, you know, putting these sort of arguments together. But now I'm at a point in my life where I really see the importance of the feeling part. And uh, that's where these, these paintings have uh, come from. And so, you know, I've been at this a long time. So, you know, the thinking part has been going on for a long long time but uh, you know, i've come to realize that you know there are a lot of artists that their work is all about thinking and it's kind of dull and yeah. i i think that there's a certain amount of what like life experience that um gives gives work you know a certain life because this is an experience i mean once we sell the work or go somewhere i have no uh, power over what people think about it but um i'm pretty sure that they're gonna they're gonna see or feel that there's an there's a certain amount of um feeling in the work yeah and less less rhetoric you know um not that there isn't ideas mixed in there is you know, all i do is think about this stuff and read and go to museums and galleries and talk to artists i mean but there's something that i need to do and that's what i'm trying to do I was wondering too, in looking at your work, uh, your paintings seem kind of sculptural, and just in some way. And I didn't know mm -hmm. if you ever made sculpture. Yeah, I mean, when I was in college, I um, I thought I would be a sculptor. I did a lot of sculpture, and yeah. um, I often, when I look at these paintings now, I could see, I could see them as sculpture. I mean, they're kind of drawings of sculptures in a, in a way, in yeah. that they have this sort of physical uh structure to them you know and and there are these holes that are kind of punched through them where you can kind of see through yeah. a little bit and um I, i'm nowhere near thinking seriously about that but um i i get it people say it to me and i, I see it but it's just one of, it takes me a long time to just sort of like change it takes i have to like gradually get into understanding why i'm doing that and you know, so I don't even know, but um, I'm enjoying making the paintings right now. Yeah. 
I just feel like in looking at it as a viewer, I, I see a, some sections that there's like wire armatures and I feel like, you know, whether they're colored sheets of metal and that you could kind of spin or if, if they were outdoor sculpture, the, the wind would kind of move them a little bit or uh, they're like interactive for my eye and I kind of enjoy that. Yeah, no, I, I totally see that. And I, you know, I was just in a, a show at the Center for Maine Contemporary Art this winter and um, I had three pieces in the show and someone asked me about that too. And I, you know, I, I could have definitely seen you know, one of those paintings made into a sculpture, maybe 10, 12 feet high, you yeah. know, nine feet wide, just this great big experience. And, um, but, um, right now I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just a painter. <laughs> so. Uh, I was curious about the, the dots that show up in some of your work, your paintings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just last night I noticed there were some colored ones and I thought that was kind of fun. And I didn't know mm -hmm. if, um, like how that how they made their way into your work at what point or is there did you make note of that <laughs> well i you know i do that sparingly and um there's something about the energy of a, of a point to yeah. me and um it's a it's a place for your eye to rest and to travel around the painting and um and it's it's also about scale and size and something that's uh, something that's different than the rest of the painting because a, lo a lot of the painting are these sort of triangles or squares or rectangles, and um, and to put something in there that's kind of quiet and small, yeah. kind of uh, bounces off that those concepts. So that's where those things come from. And I like subtlety uh, as much as you know anything else. And those things, those little dots kind of add subtlety for me anyway. They're fun. That's one of the sort of, they are like, so sort of, I don't know if I want to say juxtaposition, but with the, the rest of the works, but it's definitely like, to me, it's like a resting point or um, mm -hmm. it's like points of interest. Yeah. 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 They're just kind of, uh, you know, they kind of counteract some of the activity because it kind of, it's, it, your eye kind of stops at them and then you can travel around in the painting again. Yeah. Uh, I vaguely remember either there was a title or a series of titles that sort of pointed to maps or Atlas, I think was one of the titles of your painting. Yeah. One was called, one's called Atlas. It's, it's, um, it's kind of a big piece. It's like seven feet by eight feet. And, um, you know, it, a, a lot of my titles are sort of, um, they have a lot to do with paint, painting, painting process and how I think about things. And Atlas is kind of a metaphor for, you know, working your way around, an idea or a painting or a composition, uh, all the decisions that you make left, right, straight up, down. I mean, um, you know, what direction are you going in? You know, that, that sort of idea. And, um, so Atlas just became kind of an idea of sort of traveling around the painting. Part of studio life. I was wondering if you listen to any music while you're painting. I do. Um, I find that when I'm really working, I don't really hear it, but yeah. um, when I'm pausing to do something, clean something, move something around, whatever, it becomes sort of a, it almost becomes like white noise for me. Um, and uh, I, I think about sound a lot when I'm, when I'm making work, um, how sound is, is an important component. It's something that, you know, we can't see, but we feel it um it's it's so much of how we are, we just interact with the world and 
you know, what could we do? What, what, what can I do as an artist that kind of represents uh, that kind of multitude of vibration? Um, So sound is really an important part of how I think about making art because it's uh, just sort of invisible vibration and, and, and whether it's music or, you know, some sort of white noise, it, it could uh, really sort of help me uh, just think or not think. I mean, you can use it however you want. Yeah, I tend to listen to music 24-7 anyway, so it really so it helps me <laughs> along because it keeps me away from thinking too much, you know, and can also help. Yeah, and I tend to make playlists as well. It kind of create like a vibe for the day, and so it's it's really helpful to me. Oh, yeah. I, I you know, I, I've never done that, but sometimes – you know, I'll listen to the same thing for months at a time, yeah. <laughs> like literally the same, like 12 songs. And, um, it kind of allows me to not think about it so much or pay attention to it that much. You know, I've had one CD in my, in my truck for about a year and a half now. It's uh, yeah. a, a Nick Drake uh, CD, uh, pink moon. And I've been listening to it for about two years. Um, <laughs> you know, when it, when it's not, NPR or some some news thing, but right. it kind of puts me in a state where I'm headed to the studio. I can put that on, and it's it's a certain um, it's a certain um, state that I that I prefer to be in when I when I start to work. So yeah, yeah, I like the idea of state being in a state of some kind when it's like a consistent frame of mind or um, zone that you're in. Yeah, I mean, think about a writer who has a certain place they go and they work. Uh, you know, they, they set up the conditions for their imagination to to kick in, so they don't have to worry about A, B, or C. They know, you know, they have a certain place they go, they work, and uh, that's what the studio is for me. And and if you can set up a certain um, condition, whatever you want to call it, you you tend to have a better chances of of connecting with something and, you know, getting, getting to, getting to something. But, you know, um, some people like chaos. I, I have a hard time with it. I might work is chaotic enough, you know, yeah. it looks all jumbled and like throwing something, throwing everything you have in the world in the air and trying yeah. to catch it. That's kind of what my work is like. I catch the parts that I can catch. Oh, okay. Would you use a certain tool like a baseball glove to catch that or just your bare hands? I think it would have to be my bare hands so I can focus, focus on the one thing that I need. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's one way that I think of things and that when you start to make work, whether you're, like I said, whether you're a writer or a musician or a painter or a sculptor, everything is available to you. Your every experience, uh, what, whether, whether that's reading a book or talking to someone or, you know, a relationship, it doesn't really matter. Everything is always available to you. So what are you going to do? You know, making art isn't just about color and line and, you know, texture at all. It's yeah. about the other other stuff that's unsaid. But if you can make the work connect with those things, then you then I think what you have is some interesting work. So and that's pro- probably why I'm an abstract painter, because that's how I think about things. And when when you talk about abstraction, like everything is available to you, you know. It's a you're inventing, you're literally inventing your own language. Yeah. Now here's um one of my favorite questions. Can you use three to five words to describe your work? 
I think that my work is accessible. I think there's some humor in it and that I, you know, I kind of push some visual boundaries a little bit, but it's at the same time, deadly serious. So, you know, it's like, can you use these certain colors in a serious way? It's like listening to a piece of music that, um, sounds, you know, dark, but the title is something that's happy. I mean, how, how do artists handle that? You know, there are lots of pieces of music that aren't like the, the lyrics are sunny and happy, but the, the music isn't like, how do yeah. you do that? I think that sometimes, you know, I, I think about how to carry both of those things at the same time so that, you know, it, it's not just a one way street. So, you know, even though the colors that I use sometimes look very bright and sunny and happy, you know, the way I put these compositions together and the actual shapes that are happening and it's, it's a, it's more serious, uh, sort of composition arrangements. So, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you say serious only because, um, I put two words together and I thought of serious play. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, that's a really good way to think about, uh, all this stuff because it takes sort of the, I mean, who wants to make a serious painting? I mean, that's your go away. Who, no one's, no one wants to listen to you. Let's show us something that's has, something that's um just interesting yeah i mean that's more important than serious um but let's face it when we're working and we're and we finish something it's going to be whatever it's going to be i mean i can't be someone else i can't have a certain uh, movement to my hand that someone else has Uh, ultimately it's this is going to be in my hand so you know um i take what i do very very seriously um and uh but I'm not interested in preaching to anybody about anything. Yeah. I just like to make work that's solid and has a, you know, has a lot to it that you can walk away from and, and you know, take something from it. So, yeah. That's cool. I thought for some reason, as looking at the work, something, the phrase came in to my mind. It's a fit right in with the, with sea life. As far as looking at your work. Hmm. And then also, if you could build a rainbow, who knows? Maybe they're titles. <laughs> you don't have to use them or anything, but <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, that's that's. I haven't thought of those phrases, but um, sea life. Hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know. Um, maybe like crustaceans. Like I guess, like for like I was mentioned before, the the armature being a, mm-hmm. like a sort of skeletal system. And then sort of the fins and what have you are the shapes and the color and the dots and everything. You know, I'm, I'm all that stuff comes from uh, my interest in how something's put together. Yeah. And that's not just a painting, how paintings put together, but like how things are put, how things in the world are put together from a conversation. How do you build a relationship? How do you build um, ideas, how do you develop, how does, how is creativity developed? So I, I like the idea of something starting with kind of, uh, a frame, whatever that would be. And it kind of building and, you know, some of those thin lines you see in the paintings, 
I think of them as little these little cables that are kind of holding this kind of you know these buildings together or these arguments together or these ideas together literally you know these little thin lines and you know some some of those things in the world are very very strong you know when you think about just the structure of things so yeah i mean i i like to understand what's behind the wall you know and um how the whole thing is put together you know so i think about the structure of things and maybe leaving some of that for the for the viewer to see you know and maybe that's why the work has a sort of sculptural quality because i'm interested in that truly which deceased artist would you have liked to have spoken with you know probably they can be alive or they can be alive yeah well i mean probably de kooning to be honest i mean i um just because of how long he lived and what and what he was part of and um how he was really really true to what he was all about and um and i really want to know what he used to mix in with his paint <laughs> <laughs> i mean i just you know i i think it's safflower oil which keeps it so really wet for a long time and yeah. you know, there's so many little secrets that artists you know uh, have in their in their process and you know just you know one of the things he did was uh he used uh, a knife like i use the same kind of knife Okay. He would put on a lot of his paint with his brush, but if you look at some of his work, he'll take and just pull that brush stroke with a knife, and it and it kind of fades it, and it moves it in certain ways. And I thought that was a brilliant sort of addition to using a brush. So he wasn't afraid to to use what whatever, um, yeah. and uh, you know he would put newspaper all over the all over his painting at the end of the day so it wouldn't dry. It was soaking wet when he got back the next day. So he'd yeah. keep moving the paint around. I mean, those little things and just his, you know, can, can you imagine having a drink with him uh, and asking him a million questions? I mean, it would be such a great experience. I mean, him and so many other people. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Joan Mitchell fan. You know, one of the reasons my paintings don't go to the edge is because her paintings didn't go to the edge i just yeah. thought that was such a brilliant way to focus the viewer's attention um uh, i've been watching looking at her work forever and she was such an interesting character and was so bold and just you know with everything she had dove into this stuff so i, I liked people like that you know in the end they were right and they were told a lot of these people were told stop this ridiculousness you know go get married and have three kids in New Jersey. But they're like, no, I'm going to go to Paris. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make paintings. And that, that takes a lot of guts. So I like characters like that. You know, they weren't sure what they were doing either to the end, to the very end. They just, you know, one of the things about making art is that you have to ex- accept that there's a mystery to it yeah. and, and don't try and figure it all out because then your work becomes really dull. I think. Do you have an artist quote you would like to share? No. No. Okay. <laughs> no. I mean, there's so many, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's just so many things that brilliant things that people have said, but right. Um, Unless you keep a record of it. Yeah, I mean, good artists borrow, great artists steal. That was always my one of my favorites. But um, yeah, I mean, we all 
everything we do is built on the backs of other people. If you're, if you're paying attention, which is one of the things I always say. Many thanks to Thomas Flanagan for sitting and talking with me on Oddcast. You can check out more of his work at oddcast.com or his own website, thomasflanagan.com. Thanks for listening. This has been Oddcast. I'm your host, Philip J. Mellon. Thanks for listening, and keep the dialogue going. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you this. Define abstract art. Oh, come on. Okay, here's a better one. What does this painting mean? I'm getting nowhere with this. Forget it. Hotcast Home is A H T C A S T dot com. Thanks again. Sounds like the party's over, but you can still stay connected. For audio, Otcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. Social, Otcast is on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. And let's not forget about Instagram.